Good morning. My name is Barbara Zeller. I'm an elder and a Stephen minister and a shepherding deacon. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And as we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Gracious God, you have invited and welcomed us to this place of worship. You draw us away from the idols we create to take your place. When we come together, we sense there is nothing in life that can substitute for a vital relationship with you. Yet we are only dimly aware of who you are. All the mysteries of the universe are in your hands, and yet you have made yourself known among the people of this earth. We catch glimpses of your work among us and are amazed. We want to meet you again today, as for the first time. Touch us, remake us, help us to stand firm in the faith. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his words, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you join me in the responsive call to worship found in the beginning of your bulletin? The earth has its kings, but God is ruler of all. The mountains may tremble, the oceans may roar. Come into God's presence, for God is among us now. Come to the rock, the God of life, for God is present now.
Dear friends, the scriptures urge us to acknowledge our sins and not to conceal them in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, but to confess them with a penitent and obedient heart so that we might be forgiven through his boundless goodness and mercy. We always should admit our sins before God, so therefore let us draw near to the throne of our gracious God and pray together the confession of our sins. God of all mercy, will you have planted with us a desire to observe justice and do righteousness. We want to be fair and honorable, delighting in life shared openly and honestly with friends, friends, and co-workers. Instead, we are often defensive, fearful, and distracted. We spend more time with our toys than with your truth. We seek temporary truths rather than lasting meaning. Then we are all our gold caps bring no fulfillment. We return to you, loving God, intent on following the guidance we are seeking from you. Save us from ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Our God fulfills his promises and is true to his word. We have confessed our sins. Because Christ died for us, God who has promised forgiveness of sins to all who turn to him in faith has pardoned all of us and freed us from our sins. He strengthens us to do his will and he will keep us in eternal life. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <clears throat> And now let us come together in that wonderful historic creed, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this beautiful morning, let's just rejoice by sharing fellowship with one another.
Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We are so delighted that you are here with us today. We would ask that you would, oh, you're already ahead of the game. Pull out that red friendship pad, put your name on it, send it down the row, and when you get it, send it back, but open it up so you can see who might be sitting next to you and you can say hi a little later. Also, if you are new, if you're a visitor, there is a welcome center right in the back of the church in the narthex, so we invite you to go back there and pick up a little bit of information that we have for you, just in case you want to know a little bit more about life here at Church of the Palms. Life at Church of the Palms is busy, happening, good, if you would open your bulletin to pages 8 and 9. You will see most of the major announcements. I wanted to lift up a couple of things. This Wednesday, we get to have a missionary talk to us on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. Those are always so interesting and just enlightening. There is a dinner, but you would need to sign up by, I think, 3 o'clock on Tuesday so we can be prepared. It is a free will offering for the dinner. Anything above and beyond what we collect for that meal, we're going to give to that missionary. Second, on, I've got to see, October 22nd at 10.30 in the Campus Center, we have an opportunity to hear from Dr. Margaret E. Towner. She was the first ordained woman in the Presbyterian faith. I bet she has a great story, so you might want to sign up for that as well under the tree. And finally, untap that creative side and think about how you can transform your car into the backdrop for some biblical story. It's our trunk or treat. You don't want to miss it. This is this thing that we get to do where we invite people from all over the community who don't yet have a relationship with God, and we give them just a little taste. So you can dress up, you know, one of my favorite things. You could dress up like your biblical character. You have your trunk open. You give out some candy. It's 5.30 to 7.30, but we need cars. We need those creative people to come out, come out under the tree and sign up. So without anything else, I would like to introduce Bob Barson, who's going to give us a little bit of talk about generosity. Thank you, Laurie. Good morning. morning. Soon you're going to be reading in the Herald Tribune about their season of sharing. I don't know if you, like me, have been starting to receive these giving catalogs where you can send a goat to Africa in lieu of giving somebody uh, a gift. Yes, it is that time of the year where the nonprofits, the arts, universities, the hospitals all begin asking you for your year-end donation. These nonprofits need to raise 60 to 70% of their income or their budget in the fourth quarter. First slide, please. Here at the Church of the Palms, you can see that traditionally we have already received about 70% of our budget in the, by the fourth quarter. And thank you very much for your generosity so far this year. On the next slide, you will see that this year we're following that same giving pattern and are expecting about $743,000 or 30% of our budget in the fourth quarter. Those nonprofits are asking for your support or worthy institutions. Later in this service, you're going to hear about another timely opportunity to be generous. But there is one big difference between those institutions and the Church of Palms, and that is that the Church of Palms changed lives. We had about 70 students on mission trips this summer. 32 students attended the youth conference at Montreat. 120 students attend VBS 
with 65 middle and high school students volunteering for that opportunity. On Sunday mornings, we have about 45 kids in kids' worship, of which about 38 stay for small groups. On Wednesday nights, we have uh, nearly 60 high school students and 25 middle school students. Uh, Lori tells me that's quite an expansion over last, last year. So far this year, we have distributed over 10,000 bags of groceries to 18,000 people, including 6,500 children. For Day of Hope, we had 300 volunteers that served 200, excuse me, 265 students. Quarterly, we host displaced families here through Family Promise. <clears throat> Our Seeds Ministries provide that aftercare service to those who have gone through a significant emotional event in their lives. Just this last Thursday, as I was walking through the campus center, I saw a father proudly bringing his daughter to his new tutor. And of course, don't forget that 8% of our annual budget go to our global mission partners. These are just a few of the ways that your ongoing support is so important to the ministries at Church of the Palms. During the fourth quarter, we will keep you updated on our progress towards our giving goal and share with you more stories of how we affect lives here at Church of the Palms. Thank you for considering your use of your end of the year season of sharing. Thank you.
Let us pray. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of storm and God of peace and God of mercy, we come with humble hearts to ask yet again for your blessing. This last week has left us too aware of the power of storm. We pray for those in this country and especially for those in Haiti who have been so battered by Hurricane Matthew. We pray for the families of those who have died and those who were injured. We pray for those who lost home and food and clothes and means of support. We pray for those cut off from help. Stir our hearts, O Lord, to be part of the solution and to be generous in doing so. O God, who knows all human suffering, be with those who continue to be caught in war's deadly hand. Be with families of those killed while grieving for another previous killed. Be with those who flee for refuge, who seek safety for their lives and the lives of their children. Protect them and those who devotion, whose devotion to duty take them into harm's way, we pray. We pray particularly for our military and first responders and missionaries around the world. Make us as individuals, as a church, and as a nation into servants of your peace and justice. For we ask this in the name of the Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Continue your blessings upon us as a congregation, we pray. Strengthen our ministries of nurture, compassion, mission, proclamation, worship, and service, we pray. Guide those who guide us. Now we bring our prayers to you in the name of our Savior, Lord, and Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our offerings and tithings.
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, accept these, our offerings, and ourselves, and our lives as a token of our gratitude for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat as Carol and our children come forward come for a special up. time. Hi, Piper. Hey, there she is. Hey, guys, come on up. Have a seat. Come close. I want to show you something really cool that I just made. Come on up. All right, look at this. What do you think, huh? Pretty neat, huh? Well, do you think, you know what I think? I think that it has special powers. What do you think? Nah, it's just something I made with Play-Doh. It certainly doesn't have any power, no power whatsoever. But wouldn't it be silly if something that I made with my own hands would have extra special power? Well, that is exactly the story that we are going to hear about today. So, Trey, would you hold that for me? Thanks. Thanks. So, back in the beginning of, God, of, of God's story, back in the beginning of, this, of, of Exodus, when Moses was leading the Israelite people out of Egypt because they were slaves. And all along, God was showing them signs, like signs that you wouldn't forget about, like a big pillar of fire in the sky to show them their way, and, and manna, like bread that would come from the sky every day so they had something to eat. There was like even water that came out of a rock. But you know what happened? The Israelites, one, they kept forgetting to trust God. Guys sometimes forget to trust God? Well, these Israelites got to thinking and they got to complaining about all the stuff that they didn't have and they thought maybe that their stuff would start to make them feel a little better. So you know what they did? They made an animal kind of like that. Except theirs was big and it was gold and had jewelry in it and stuff. And um, do you think that it had extra, extra special powers? No, it didn't, but it was cool, and it was made out of gold, and they liked it a lot, and you know what? They worshipped it. Why not, right? Well, even when God told them, do not have other idols, do not have anyone more important than me, I'm your God. So there's a lot of things in life, in this world, that make us feel good, and we usually give it a lot of our attention, right? maybe so much attention that it takes our attention away from loving God. Some people, they like to, that makes them feel good to have a lot of money, or they drive big expensive cars, and some people, they even have like, um, they get really cool pets. And then there's some people that spend a lot of their attention and time on their computers or movies or even music, and some people are just crazy about their sports teams. But you know what? They end up giving all of their attention and their time to these things, and they forget about spending time with God. You see, just like this little Play-Doh animal, it really doesn't have any special powers, does it? But some of our stuff actually does have power over us. It has power over us because it consumes our hearts, and it takes away from that time that we make to make God first in our lives. 
the Israelites, those people, they were stuck in the desert and they were frustrated. So they figured that they could do things without including God in their lives. Yeah, like making an idol. They made their animal more important than God. And this made God really kind of mad. Will you pray with me? Dear God, sometimes we forget to put you first in our lives before our stuff. Help us to seek you first before all the other things we love so much that keep us so busy and away from spending time with you. Thank you that you love us even when we make mistakes. Amen. I so appreciate Bob Barson and his countless hours of volunteering with us. And he reminds us of those things that we need to most be reminded of sometimes, our generosity and sometimes that idol that we have in money. 
But I also believe there are times when God calls us to just a bit more. And I would like to invite Sarah Soboleski to come forward. Um, Sarah is a friend of mine. Um, Sarah got Family Promise started here for us at Church of the Palms. And Sarah had the privilege of going to Haiti to build a school just last year. So there's something very near and dear to her heart as well as to ours about something that has broken God's heart. So I'd like you to listen. Merci, Zanmin. Uh, as I'm sure you're all aware, Kate, uh, Haiti was hit last week with another catastrophic natural disaster. I had the great privilege in 2015 of traveling to Haiti with my dear friend Colleen and uh, an, another group of people to build a primary school. And there are a few things I would hope that you uh, would know about the Haitian people that I learned in my short time there. First, they're loving and incredibly devoted to community. I experienced community while I was there that I had never seen in my life. Um, they look after one another. They love and feed and scold one another's children uh, in a way that is really remarkable. They are also very hardworking. Our mom, when we were there, her name is Pular. She would wake up her children in the morning by singing them hymns, and then she would work tirelessly all day. Her concrete floors were so clean you could eat off them. And at the work site, where I was consistently outworked by both small boys and old men. Um, there was an old man there, he must have been in his 80s, and he did not live in the community where we were building a school. He had walked from a nearby community, even though he'd have no children ever to attend the school or grandchildren, but he was a teacher and he believed in the importance of looking after one another. And so he would work all day in the hot sun for no money, but because he believes in the future of Haiti and in the capability of the children of Haiti. They are also faithful. They are faithful in spite of the fact that they have had so little mercy that there have been policies and, and and decisions made by their own leaders and by world leaders that have unjustly persecuted and kept them in extreme poverty. But they remain faithful. We had a wonderful experience when we were walking in the community where they sing How Great Thou Art in Haitian Creole, and then we would sing it back to them in English. These beautiful people are our brothers and sisters, and they are starving. Even if they had money, there is no food to buy. Church of the Palms is in a unique position to help because we have an amazing um, missionary partner called Agape Flights. They fly out of Venice, Florida, and they fly into the part of Haiti that was most directly affected by the storm. So for those of you who are concerned about how that where this money goes, and, and there are, goodness knows, a lot of reasons to be concerned about that, this, this small nonprofit is getting food and supplies into the hands of the missionaries who work in that part of the country. So it's going to go directly to people. We'll be collecting supplies um, throughout the month of October. 
There will be a van in the administrative parking lot, and you can also bring supplies to the church office. There's a list of suggested donations that can be found in the welcome centers in the front office or under the tree. I'll be out there and I'll have that. We also will ask people who have the, um, the right kind of transportation and the time to uh, volunteer to drive supplies down if we outgrow the van, which of course we, we can and we should, and I know we will. Um, the Haitian people have no false idols. They have a God they believe in with all their hearts, that he is a good God and he loves them um, in good times and bad. So I hope you'll do what you can. Merci, Zanmin. Deutsch means thank you, friends, in Creole. Thank you, Sarah. Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask that you pour out your blessing, your healing, and your mercy on our neighbors, the Haitians. We thank you for the generosity of your people that we might give above and beyond to lend a hand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it's interesting how Steve McConnell can preach such a nice sermon about God last week, how God is so loving and kind and has provided blessing upon blessing on Steve's life and on our lives, and how we have to pause and ask, why me? Why do I get to live and bathe in the love of God? So Steve went away this weekend to a board meeting and then to spend some time with some buddies of his to go to a baseball game or a football game or some other highly intellectual activity. And you know what he left me with? He left me with a God who is so ticked off at the Israelites that God wants to wipe them off of the planet. Our scripture lesson today is about a God who is angry, who is hurt, and who is jealous. Someone who not only denies that the Israelites are his people, but he calls them names, and his wrath is burning so hot that he wants Moses to leave him alone so he can incinerate them. Seriously, what kind of God got dropped into my lap, and where's the good news in that? I hope you've been reading along with the daily readings for our narrative lectionary. They're in our church bulletin every week, and they're also on our Facebook page. They keep us moving as a church family through God's story. This last week, God guided and protected the Israelites on their flight from Egypt with pillars of cloud and fire. He parted the Red Sea as well as providing food and water for them in the desert. Now those all sound like nice little Bible stories from which to preach, but that's not what we get today. Grab your Bible or a pew Bible as I read from Exodus 32, verses 1 through 14. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us. Who shall go before us? As for this Moses, this man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's become of him. Aaron said to them, take off the gold rings that are on your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold rings from their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, formed it into a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. 
When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They rose early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought sacrifices of well-being. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to revel. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once. Your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have acted perversely. They've been quick to turn aside from the way I commanded them, and they cast for themselves an image of a calf, and they worshipped it, and they sacrificed to it, and they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone, so my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And of you, I will make a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath Change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Israel, your servants, how, well, how you had sworn to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he planned to bring on his people. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words just read and the words to come be pleasing to you. And may your voice speak to each one of us in a new way. Amen. So Moses is up on the mountain with God for something like 40 days and 40 nights when all of a sudden, down at the base of the mountain, God hears a sound that takes his breath away. But not in a good way, like when Jonathan played the prelude on the piano. No, God heard music all right, but it was his people partying. I'm not sure if you've ever come home early from a trip, having left your teenagers at home. And as you're walking up to the house, you heard your people partying? Well, I think that sinking feeling might be just what God was feeling. God heard the noise, but God being God knew that the Israelites had made an idol and that they were having the time of their life, dancing, celebrating, and doing other unmentionable things in the name of worship. And here's where we get to meet the God of anger, vengeance, jealousy, judgment, and retribution. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> the golden calf story is a familiar story, right? And I think it often gets talked about in how we shouldn't have idols. And while I think that's true, I think this passage might be about something just a little bit deeper than that. I think the golden calf story shows us the most important thing that God desires of us, and that is a relationship with him, a real, 
authentic relationship. And here's the thing about a relationship with God. He very often uses other people in our midst to make the introduction or the reintroduction to him. In fact, he even used his own son. Now you know that many young families today don't go to church anymore, right? Some of your children or grandchildren may be missing out on the blessing of being part of a faith family and the relationships here. Imagine the impact that you could make on a young family if you decided to spend just one hour a week going into our preschool to read some stories. You'd have to put on some protective armor because you know the unfiltered words of a four-year-old can cut straight to the heart. They have a way of grabbing you right in that soft place under your arm where your triceps used to be. And they will look up to you with these big, innocent eyes and say, wow, you have a lot of nose hair. (laughs) But they will also grab your heart with unfiltered joy and sticky hugs. And perhaps they will tell their parents about their church grandma or their church grandpa who reads to them each day, each week, and then we've done it. We've planted a seed of God's love in a family that may be desperate for such a relationship. Now some refer to the golden calf as the fall story for the Israelites. Remember back in Genesis when we read about the fall of Adam and Eve? They ate the fruit from the only forbidden tree in the entire garden. Their disobedience to God certainly had some consequences. Like now, they have to find a new place to live. They're going to have to work for their food. And childbirth is going to hurt, well, more than anything. But God didn't even consider annihilating them for that sin. So what was it that the Israelites did that caused such an intense reaction from God? Well, they broke the first two commandments, and it seems like these get to the very heart of the issue, God's deep desire to have a relationship with us. Commandment number one, we have only one God, one and only one God. We shall have no other gods before us. Number two, we shall not make an idol of any kind to worship because God admits that he's a jealous God. See, this isn't a matter of disobedience to a law code. It's a matter of unfaithfulness to the God who has bound himself to a people. Israel has violated that established relationship. When the Israelites made an idol to worship and gave that lifeless piece of metal their praise and worship, it must have broken God's heart. You know, when one has a broken heart, the first emotion often expressed is anger. I have a friend whose wife was unfaithful to him. When he discovered this infidelity, he felt like their relationship was broken, and so was his heart. And let me tell you, anger was a quickly expressed emotion. He felt as though he wanted to obliterate a couple of people. And he said those words, those exact words, to his best friend and to his counselor because those were the places where he felt safe to voice his raw emotions. 
the narrator of Exodus has given God very real human emotions to which we can all relate. God expressed them to Moses, his best human friend. You do that in a deep, trusting relationship. Now every modern-day reader can also relate to the irony of God's words when he tells Moses to go down at once and take care of your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. It's like when our husky Malachi, who couldn't be more loved by my husband and by me, when he gets into the trash, I will call my husband and said, your dog got into the trash again. The play on words doesn't remove my love of our dog any more than God's words removes his love from his people. And that love, that is exactly what God promises to us in, our, in his covenant to us. Right at the end of the second commandment in Exodus 20, verse 6, we read, But I, the Lord your God, showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Here's what, where we learn how far someone will go to help restore relationships with one another and with God. The God of the universe has told Moses that his wrath is burning against these ungrateful, calf-making fools, and he plans to destroy them. Moses has lost his stutter and has become quite the spokesperson when he convinces God to change his mind. In relationship with Moses, a relationship that God values, God is safe to express his feelings, and God is open to what Moses has to say. And after blowing off a little steam, God actually changes his mind. Now that takes some kind of courage. Moses knows the kind of power that God has. He's had a front row seat to many magnificent displays of unbelievable power. Make no mistake, the same God who spoke the world into existence could speak Moses out of existence. Yet Moses trusts the God with whom he has a deep relationship. How about you? Do you trust God enough to bring your best argument for a wayward child, or your deepest sorrow, or your most shameful deed, or your most rotten thoughts, or your angriest feelings? You see, if we come to God with all who we are, we stay in relationship with him, and it's real, and it's authentic. By listening to Moses, God has shown that God treats his relationships with an integrity that is responsive to what they say and do, and God promises that in relationship with him, we will receive steadfast love that comes in the form of healing and acceptance. But we can't be afraid we have to have faith that God keeps God's promises. And if you believe that, really, really believed that, how far would you go to build a relationship for God? Dr. Kara Powell is a researcher and a professor at Fuller Seminary. She just finished a new book called Growing Young. While they were conducting their research on churches that get it right, attracting and keeping younger people engaged in church, they came across a story about a guy named Bill who lives in Pennsylvania. The teenagers love this guy. Bill is, a, is an amazing adult who really invests in them, who loves them, who shows up at their games and their recitals and their plays. 
When Dr. Powell's team went to the Pennsylvania church for a site visit, they discovered that Bill was not a cool, hip, young adult. Bill was in his 70s. It turns out that Bill had a really tough adolescence. He remembers participating in major events and there just weren't any adults in his life cheering him on from the stands. And so Bill has made it his mission that no kid from his church is going to have a game or a concert or a graduation without an adult cheering them on from the stands. So a lot of the time it's Bill, but Bill was also wisely recruited many other adults that go to these students, that build relationships with them and go to their events. So they always, always have someone to cheer them on. You see, Bill trusts his relationship with God, and he was willing to risk putting his fuddy-duddy self into a relationship with a bunch of teenagers. Trust me, those teenagers are being brought into a relationship with the living God through a 70-year-old man and his senior recruits. From our relationship to God, we can pull out of our brokenness, like Bill, or we can pull from our God-given gifts in an effort to build relationships with others. You see, it is through those authentic relationships where we catch a glimpse of God's steadfast love and amazing grace. I began my wondering of this scripture passage with the question, what kind of God is this? Well, I discovered a God who is real, a God who understands my feelings, and I learned how much God values relationships. And even though we will never be able to fully understand who God is and how he does the things that he does, we do know that God wants us to be in full relationship with him. Barbara Brown Taylor gives us a reminder of who God is. God is greater than my imagination, wiser than my wisdom, more dazzling than the universe, as present as the air I breathe, and utterly beyond my control. And the good news? Well, this God, who keeps his promises, loves us so much, and so wants to be in relationship with us that he sent his only son to earth to walk and live among us. And his sacrificial love on the cross compels us to do crazy things, like tutoring one-on-one -on -one with a kid, like showing up at a basketball game for a teenager, like telling our next-door neighbors that we are collecting supplies for our neighbors in Haiti, all in the hope that they will be introduced to God and maybe even catch a glimpse of Christ in us.
Now, as you go out into your communities this week, be open to the relationships that God may be calling you into. Who knows? God may use that relationship to bring you both into a relationship deeper with him. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God be reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your heart so that all might see and believe. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.